thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Let's go after this. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go into Colossians chapter 2. We started a series a few weeks ago uh, working through the book of Colossians. And so uh, that's kind of our summer reading. And I've invited you to read the book of Colossians this summer. And so uh, this is week three in our series on Colossians. And so we're starting in chapter 2 today. And uh, I'm going to read this text here, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to go after it. We're going to start in verse 6. Great content here. Really, the apex hits for me in verse 8, and I'm going to really camp out in verse 8 for a little bit. Then we'll let verse 9 and 10 be our conclusion, and then we will pray and go. But that's kind of where we're going. Here we go. Pastor Paul, speaking to the church in Colossae, says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you so grateful to be your people in your church. And God, we ask that we would behold the glory, the preeminence, the worthiness, the excellencies of Jesus today. We pray that your word would come alive in our heart. We ask for wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. We pray, Lord God, that all the other things that tend to get in our mind that can become deceitful philosophies or deceptive, we ask that those would fade and that truth would live in our minds and in our hearts. We love you and we honor you. And Radiant said, amen. Probably most of us in the room have uh, seen one of the blockbuster movies that comes out about a father who has a child taken captive or kidnapped, taken, and then the journey of going to get that child back. And the length to which Mel Gibson in the 90s or Denzel uh, or Liam Neeson will go, that's my first amen from Dory in three years, uh, (laughs) will go to get that child back. That attempt... And I think we could look at that metaphor and look at Pastor Paul's spiritual father here. And he's looking at philosophies of the day that could take captive his spiritual children in Colossae. So it's almost like his spiritual grandchildren here because Epaphras played such a critical role in the starting of this church. But Pastor Paul, Paul is is desiring to crush the philosophies, the ideas that would take them captive. In verse 8, it's him coming on strong saying, there's deceptive isms, deceptive concepts 
philosophies of the world, philosophies of the day, even so much as philosophies of this world inspired by demonic ideas that would take you out of the very idea that he's pressing, which is Christ is supreme, Christ is preeminent, Christ overall. And we started off in week one talking about the idea of syncretism and the idea where they were taking different concepts, different ideas, and creating their own mashup of philosophies so that it was really not Christ overall, it was Christ plus, Christ plus this, Christ plus that. And this whole book is coming down strong saying Christ is enough, Christ is supreme, Christ is all. And so just like one of those fathers that will go to any violent length in the movies, he's coming on strong with very strong statements about the lordship of Christ because he wants to crush the ideas that would crush the church that he loves and helps start. And he's wanting to fight for Christ to be seen, known, and understood as preeminent, as supreme, as above all. So I want to take some of these phrases word by word because he says, you received Christ Jesus. And I think that's big. Because he's going to go on to say, so live in Christ. He's going to go on to talk about you continue to live in Christ. But he starts with, you received Christ Jesus. I think this is big for us in our faith. Because as we live out our faith day to day, it's good to start with, where did I get this? I received Christ. It was by nothing of my own strength, nothing of my own power. It was completely done, a work of Christ. Jesus went to the cross for me. I received the free gift of salvation. This is something I received. It's not something I did. It's something that I received. I was, uh, I'm a child of the 80s. Anybody children of the 80s out there? Anybody alive in the 80s? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, you, uh, but, but I, in the 80s, uh, I, I have memories of some of the specific news cycles, some of the, the, the big storylines. And so for me, I was third grade, uh, 1985, when the Challenger exploded. I remember that storyline. And I don't know if you remember 1987. I remember watching the storyline about finding Jessica, the toddler in Midland, Texas, that fell down a well. For some reason, that's locked in my head, and because I, I, I remember watching the story, being captivated by the story. My parents had a little tiny, uh, this is old school, you're not even going to believe me, but black and white, little tiny, I mean, television in their bedroom, and I would sneak in there and watch the news. That's weird, but anyway, I would. Uh, not just the news. There was also um, a Family Feud. I'd watch those two things. Anyway, and... Uh, but I remember that storyline of finding Jessica. And here's, here's why I say that. Because in that storyline, there's this intentional effort to go into the well and help out the toddler that couldn't help herself. She'd fallen into the well, couldn't get out, stuck in there for over 50 hours. And she's this little girl, and she's got no strength. She's a child. She's stuck. And the great effort to rescue her, and the rescue effort really went not just national, but global, people watching and oh, the absurdity in that moment where they rescue her and bring her out of the well to applaud the toddler. The toddler didn't do anything. No, she was rescued, right? She didn't do anything but just receive. And we received salvation, the work of Christ. It wasn't by your own strength. It's something Christ did for you. It's so Christ goes to the cross for you. So you take on, all right, I, I, I've received salvation. I've received, I received Christ. And then this phrase, though, this, that's really big for us in our journey with Jesus is you received him as Lord. So 
So it's the work that Christ did for you. And then the place that I put him is that preeminent, supreme place of Lord. And this is significant because many people, especially in our culture today, where there is often a moment where they say yes to receiving the free work of Christ on the cross, may receive that and not realize that they have not said yes to him as Lord, only Savior. And yet, Paul, Papa Paul, Pastor Paul, is making it really clear here. You received Christ Jesus as Lord. So he is above all. He is supreme. He is boss. He is commander. He is king. He is Lord. He is above all. And I think this is significant because uh, I found myself sitting on airplanes talking with people about Christ and how often they relate their salvation moment where they came to Christ And they came to Christ more like a consumer than like a Christian because they came to Christ wanting Christ to save them. And then instead of beginning the journey as a Christ follower, it's more of an event they have memorized in their head. So instead of saying, I received Christ as Lord and now I'm a follower of him and good news, he saved me and I'm following him and all the way into eternity, he is Lord and savior of my life. They see it as not the beginning of a journey, but an event. And then they marinate on planet Earth and wait for heaven. But it's really significant here that when you say yes, when you receive Christ, it's not what you did. You receive it and he is Lord. You receive Christ as Lord. So you receive what he did for you. And the position that he takes up inside of you is that he is Lord in your head, in your heart. You go, he is Lord. Hudson Taylor said, if Christ is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. It's that idea of lordship. You're supreme. You're, you're above all things. And he, he goes on to say, this is the next phrase, continue to live your lives in him. Okay, so you receive Christ as Lord, and then it's this idea. So continue. So I receive it, but, but there's kind of this stay, remain, It's Christ that did the work. You set him as Lord. Now continue to live in that relationship. And the way that I would illustrate this is, um, I think of when Renata and I had four little kids, five and under, and it was fairly easy to get them in bed. It was hard to get them to stay in bed. (laughs) Right? Like we could get them in bed. Hey, law, rule. But then it was like, hey, can I get a drink of water? Hey, can you pray with me? Hey, I need another drink of water. Hey, can I get a snack? Hey, I had a bad dream. You haven't even gone to bed yet. I don't know. I dreamt. I mean, like, <laughs> there's always a reason. And here's the, the, Papa Paul, spiritual father. And he's saying, hey, you began this journey. Now continue to do life in Christ. And then he gives us really three ideas on how to do that. First of all, he says, rooted and built up in Christ. Frequently, the idea of following Christ is pictured. The metaphor given often is this idea of rooted. And one of the beauties of the idea of rooted, because Jesus gives it to us when he talks about abiding in John 15, there's often this kind of this picture, this agricultural picture of being rooted. And it's because the lifeblood of your, of your, your visible relationship starts under the surface. It's, it's, root, it's gaining nutrients in the hidden life. So Jesus in Matthew 6, he talks about the hidden life. He talks about prayer in secret, like a root, fasting in secret, giving in secret. It's this hidden life that nobody sees but God, your father who sees what is done in secret 
will reward you. It's this hidden life. It's this rooted. It's, it's you're finding your nutrients. And then, and then that's what gives you the strength to grow, to grow tall, to, to grow strength and get. And so, so whether you're looking at Paul here, he's giving this rooted concept uh, and he's saying rooted and built up. It's a relational idea. And it's all building towards verse eight. It's building towards where it's going. Have relationship rooted and built up in Christ. And Paul says in over and over in Colossians. It's this word he uses, that preposition, in, in, in. He says in Christ and then strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So here's relationship. And then he's talking about receiving teaching. So, so this next point is a degree of, of knowledge. You're, you're being strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And where he's going is he doesn't want you blown and tossed by the wind. He wants the roots to go deep. He wants the building to be built up so that when you face the difficulty of the storms, you're able to sustain it. And then there's this third one where he says, overflowing with thankfulness. I read overflowing with thankfulness, and I think it relates back to this idea of Lord. Here's why. Because the truth is, when you make him Lord of all, there is the glory, the beauty, the wonder, the joy of everything that you receive from Christ. So the supernatural life of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we still have many years on earth where we're living and saying no to worldly pleasures. And that's a real part of the Christian journey. A part of the Christian life is I am saying yes to Jesus. And because that yes is so big, it's pushing out worldly loves. I've made him Lord. He is above all. And those different deceitful pleasures or deceitful philosophies of the world are constantly knocking on our door. And so it actually takes a heart of gratitude for what Christ has done in you to continue to say no to those things. So if that gratitude for Christ's work inside of you, that song, I thank God, you pick me up, you turn me around. It's that, that the whole concept of I'm thanking God. I'm filled with gratitude. I'm overflowing with thanksgiving for what Christ has done in me. It helps give you the strength to say no to all the deceitful, deceptive philosophies of the day. And saying no to those things is a part of the Christian journey. It's a significant part of it. So he's, he's teaching you how to live with that overflow of thanksgiving. And it's all for then really where we get where he's going, because this is the storm. This is, you're rooted, you're built up, you're strengthened, you're overflowing with gratitude. Here's why. Gets to this, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than of Christ. So human tradition, elemental spiritual forces of this world, these ideas will come to try to sweep you away, to kidnap you, to capture you, to take you away instead of having Christ as supreme. Christ as Lord, Christ as above all. They'll come knocking on that door. And so that was alive in first century Colossae, and it's very much alive in 21st century Kansas City. It's very easy for us to give into those deceptive philosophies. 
I want to give you a few thoughts on some of them that I think exist. There's probably 25 of these, but I'll give you just five. Um, I think one of them in our day is hedonism. So, and each one of these you can kind of take down to the root of putting one thing as preeminent. So hedonism would say, maybe we take Christ from being preeminent, and we put fun and pleasure as preeminent, right? And maybe there's different seasons of your life where you're tempted to put something else as preeminent. So maybe it's not just one. Maybe back when you were 22, man, fun and pleasure was preeminent. Maybe that's a higher battle, a higher struggle, a higher temptation for the 22-year-old than the 52-year-old, but different seasons, you can put one on top. You can put one as preeminent. But hedonism is that idea of pleasure overall. It's not Jesus overall. It's not Jesus is supreme. It's, it's pleasure is supreme. And it fills our culture. I think another one would be putting stuff over all. Materialism, right? And I think this one takes a lot of root in our culture because this is the way that's, that, that people make a dollar. And so we're, we constantly have materialism marketed to us on the radio, online, on television. And it's really easy for this one to get in us without even realizing it, that stuff is above all. Man, if I could just get the right car, clothes, trip, you know, fill in the blank. And that one pervades. That one exists strong. A uh, third one would be, I'm just going to put me at the top, narcissism. I just, I see through the lens of me. So Christ won't be Lord and supreme, I will be. And easy to put that one at the top. The one that we talked about in week one was syncretism. And this would be where I take, not necessarily me, but maybe more specifically, my ideas are supreme. So I'm able to look at religion, politics, take some things that I like, create my ideas, mash it all up into my philosophy, and I've got some syncretism. Might not look like Christ alone Christianity, it looks like my concepts of how the world exists. It's called syncretism. It's, 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 it's putting above all my ideas, the mashup of, the, of, of my world, really my worldview, how I could take all these different ideas. That's what Paul's even trying to crush big uh, in the book of Colossians, this letter. He's making it really clear. Don't go there. And then I would just say the last one exists to some degree and sometimes it's easy for us as Christians to not even realize we live this one. But I think deism. And, and, and that's the idea that I believe in a God, but he's not active in my life. I believe he exists, but he kind of like a wind-up toy. He, he created the world, and he set the world into motion, and it wound it up, and now it exists. And he's not really connected to my day-to-day -day life. Not in much relationship. Don't know that he really intervenes. And in buying into that one, you essentially live practically on your own without being a worshiper, a seeker of God. And there's probably so many more. I'm just giving you just a, just a few ideas. All of these things, you end up putting something as ultimately as preeminent, something else as supreme. And just like a blockbuster movie, Paul's coming in and he's saying, I want to rescue you from being held captive by a false idea of what God is like, of who I want you to see who Jesus is. And the enemy, the enemy doesn't care which 
deceptive philosophy you believe as long as you believe one of them. So it doesn't matter the lie that you believe. If, if he can get anything other than Christ as Lord, out. So Jesus is supreme. And the enemy says, if I can just get one of those isms or a different one, anything to hold that place of preeminence. And, and, and I think for many of us, when you start to feel distant from God, when you start to think of yourself as distant from God, oftentimes you've allowed a lie to get in. You've allowed a false view of who Christ is, who Jesus is to get in. And slowly you find yourself distancing from God because the enemy wants to get that lie in. He comes to blind your eyes, blind your mind so that you'll distance yourself from God. I think about this with my kids. Um, if one of my children starts to become distant from me, I'll lean into the conversation, ask questions. And usually, not every time, but usually I can, I can bring it back to a misperception about me. Dad doesn't care. Dad didn't see. Dad, some form of my character that they decided to distance themselves because not every time, but oftentimes, and they'll start to distance themselves. A false view of God. This is what happened in the garden. If you look in the garden, Satan comes, Genesis 3, and the whole concept is the enemy coming along and giving a false view of God. Did God really say, actually, if you eat of the fruit, you'll become like God? They believe the lie about what God is like and engage in sin, and in so doing, then not only distance from God, but in that moment, they actually become more like the snake than God, right? Because they, he says, you'll become more like God, and they choose sin, distance themselves from God, and they become more like the serpent. And the enemy, what he wants to do is he wants to come in and get you to believe any idea, any deceptive philosophy that you might take it, that you'll buy into it other than Jesus is Lord, other than Christ is supreme. And he doesn't care which ism he can trick you into believing. As long as you'll buy into something as preeminent, something other than, other than Christ. And so it's our job then to care very deeply about the ideas of how we see Christ. So you're working on it. You're thinking about it. You care about those, those thoughts. And God, God doesn't control your thoughts. He gives you the freedom to create your own thoughts. The enemy can't control your thoughts. You're the gatekeeper of your thoughts. So running the right movies of who God is, studying the right scripture of who God is, getting it really clear of who Jesus is. That's why Paul is just hitting this so strong. Once you see Christ and then in verse nine, he comes around and this is just strong statements of who Christ is. He says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So Pastor Paul comes in and he says, Christ's divinity, Jesus is fully God. A lot of different philosophies of the day will come in against Jesus is fully God. Then he hits it strong here. Christ's humanity, God living in, in, 
in bodily form. A lot of different ideas want to attack that, but this is Christianity. Jesus is Lord, Christ. And then he comes on and he just gives Christ's authority. Hits his divinity, then he hits his humanity, then his authority. He is the head over every power and authority. So he's coming in and there is no demonic power, demonic idea stronger than Christ, Christ above all. C.S. Lewis talks about how uh, you kind of have two extremes when it comes to demonic activity. You have some people that say, hey, there's you know, a demon under every rock and everything's demonic. And then you have people that ignore it completely. And I think that um, we're probably in 21st century America have a tendency to lean more on this end where we don't realize the level of spiritual warfare that we live in. And we don't realize the activity of the enemy trying to get you to believe a false idea of Christ so that you'll distance yourself from God. So whatever deceptive philosophy you can buy into, you will allow your mind to go that direction and distance yourself. Over the years, I've taken many missions trips where I've taken um, people to different parts of the world where we go home to home. Um, I've served with a ministry called Every Home for Christ since 2009. Um, and so I've taken a whole lot of um, trips with young, mostly young people overseas. And I'm amazed at how often um, people's rejection of the gospel is formed because they have a false view of Christ. So some way they were told they have some view that is something other than what we read here. And that view keeps them from being open. And the enemy wants to try to create that false view. He wants to try to do anything he can to get you to believe something false about Christ. And so that's why Paul, I mean, you just read through Colossians. I'd invite all of you to read this summer. This is our summer reading, just like homeschool, right? This is your summer reading. <laughs> read Colossians, and he's just hitting this over and over again about Christ is supreme, Christ above all, Christ as Lord, Christ as preeminent. So a few thoughts on how we can make this practical and grow this in our lives. And my practical thoughts today are just going back and hitting Pastor Paul's. He starts off with this, deepen your roots. And I want to invite you to deepen your roots through relationship in Christ. Stay rooted. How? I want to invite you to spend time with God and develop that relational dialogue, conversation with God. If you're a part of Radiant very long, you hear this over and over again. I think it's so critical. I think that your relationship, you having your own encounters, your own relationship with God is so critical. I love that phrase that says it takes 15 years to see an overnight success, right? So many people think, oh, that person is so deep, so firm in their walk with Christ but it's often years of getting more and more rooted where they're spending time with God. They know God. They're praying, fasting, giving, seeking God, knowing him, reading Sermon on the Mount, living that hidden lifestyle, rooted in relationship so that when they face that storm, those roots are so deep that they're able to experience the, when the enemy comes and gives deceptive philosophy. And, and most of the time when we think of storms, we often think, kind of the idea of, oh, a storm is when my circumstance suddenly goes bad. 
A storm can also be when the enemy is coming like a torrent through a voice to get you to believe something other than Christ as supreme. And most of the time, the enemy doesn't come with a bizarre, outlandish thought. It's usually just a plausible concept to just tweak the way you see Christ just this much. When you look at even many of the heresies, um, many of the different cults, it's just taking and just, been, just trying to get you just, just this much off. And so you want to get to where you're rooted, as Paul says, so that when that deceptive philosophy comes your way by whatever voice, you're able to say, I'm rooted in Christ. I've got real relationship with God. And then the second one, strengthen your faith through knowledge of Christ. So Paul talks about this in the languages as you were taught. And I think about this as actually growing in your knowledge of Christ. So the first one be your relationship with Christ. And second is growing in your knowledge of Christ. And so we all know that one of the best ways that you can really do this is, is studying, reading, knowing the scripture, knowing the word of God. And so I'll encourage you to this again as your pastor to really get the word of God inside of you so that you're reading the teachings of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, the relationships of Jesus. And maybe Old Testament, you're looking at all the prophetic words about who Christ is, so that the fulfillment of who Christ is. And maybe you're looking at epistles and you're reading Peter and James and Paul and as they're looking back at Christ. And maybe you're looking at Revelation, that's the revelation of Christ, but you're seeing Jesus in the word of God. Some of you that say, hey, David, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I don't really like to read. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I encourage you, one of the things, one of the things that's been amazing for um, one of, my, one of my, my kids is we watch the Bible Project videos, and it helps just like, uh, it's, it's helped a, a growing hunger for the scripture. Um, I love to take my kids to Mardell, right over here off Metcalf on 119th, and I'll just say to them, uh, hey, you can buy anything you want that's about your relationship with God, anything that's to help you grow in the knowledge of God. You know, like I'll spend a dollar there. I will not buy you cheese on your burger. I am too cheap for that. Uh, but you can have a $60 prayer journal. You can, you can buy any book you want and invest in how can I grow in God? What kind of software? What kind? But, but let that be something where you're going, I, I'm going to grow in the knowledge of Christ. I'm going after that. It's something that I'm not going to be distant on. So relationship with Christ, knowledge of Christ. And, and these are not mine. These are Paul's. I'm coming back to his three. He's the one that said rooted. He's the one that says strengthen your faith. And then in how you were taught. And then this third one, and this is where we'll conclude, is overflow with thanksgiving for the work of Christ. Here's where I would encourage you. How can I overflow with thanksgiving? This is Paul's word. And I would encourage you on this. When you look back at your salvation, you've received it. I was in the well. I was a toddler. I was broken. I was dead. And you rescued me and you saved me. A, you never stop celebrating Christ's work. Two, you ne not A, two. <laughs> a, B, <laughs> I went to public school. <laughs> B, you celebrate Christ at work through his church all the time. Christ at work. So Christ did a work in me and Christ is at work today. One of the predominant themes in Christianity that caused it to suffocate 
is the constant criticism instead of gratitude. Instead of just thank you, God, for your work. You saved me. Now, thank you for your work in my family. Thank you for your work in my church. Thank you for the work in the capital C church around the world. It's this constant. We just imitate what we've seen online. There's godless comments by anybody that wants to say anything all the time. So we just kind of do our own version of it. I want to invite you to take that I'm living in overflowing with gratitude as what flows. Overflowing means it's what comes out of me. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And there is the work of Christ in you. And there is the work of Christ in the church of Jesus Christ today, even if there are difficulties and trials and problems. Even, and you go back and you can look historically, you can look at the church. It's never been perfect. There's always been problems. I can look back. I was a preacher's kid in the 80s. What's up? I got some, I remember some stuff. There was problems in the 80s. Talking a lot about the 80s today. What's up? Come on. But if you'll look for it and overflow with gratitude, if you'll be looking for it, celebrate it, talk about it, you'll find it. If you look about at a hummingbird, a hummingbird all day looks for what's sweet and it finds it. A vulture looks all day for something dead and it finds it. They both find what they're looking for. If you'll look for Christ in me, the hope of glory, he's at work. Christ in his church, where Matthew 16 says, the church of Jesus Christ is going in and the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. You'll be able to become a verbalizer of Christ at work, overflowing with gratitude. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. We just ask the Holy Spirit, or what's the thing, what's the ism that I tend to put as supreme or preeminent? What do I tend to put over Christ? Maybe you're young and your temptation is to put fun over all. Maybe you're afraid of the future and you put self over all, me. Maybe you struggle with pride and arrogance and you put your ideas better than others. You, you above all. And today, I want to invite you just to resurrender to Christ over everything. Christ above all. Christ supreme. Christ is preeminent. Maybe you're online or in the room and today's the day that you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus and I want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Just like people in the first century in Colossae received Christ as Lord. You want to do that today? I want to invite you just to pray this prayer and begin the journey. This is more than an event. This is the beginning of a journey with Christ as Lord. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Just pray that prayer. And I receive Christ today as my Lord, my supreme commander. He's the one that rescued me. And I say yes to Christ. I give you my life. Change me. Make me a new person. 
give me a supernatural life. I give you everything in Jesus' name. And all of Radiant Church said amen.